We're picking up a souvenir for the jockey and taking a moonfall into the eyes of Tammy Faye. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. Every week I applaud Van on his pre-intro intro. And actually, I just unintentionally just tried to put him off um, and gave him my version of it and he <laughs> sailed on through and delivered it in the first take so kudos to you van <laughs> I, tr- I try my best i try my best but you know what's not trying its best is is our our first film this week i'm sad to say and oh. I've been, i saw this not this not this past week this is not like I've, I've watched it within the week and then reviewed it this is one that i got to see like a fortnight in advance because they were just lacking other things to put screenings on for so they stuck this on and it's uh, the souvenir part two um have you ever encountered the souvenir part one bex no, but I, I think it must have done some business to allow it to have a, a sequel or part two. Well, actually, funnily enough, it did naff all business. But this is not oh. one of those movies. This is not one of those movies you you make to make money. Nor is it sequel. Um, which uh, brace yourself for this one, Bex, because this Uh-oh. is a doozy. Okay, so art house British filmmaker Joanna Hogg uh, made the souvenir in t- 2019. It stars, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Honor. Honor Swinton Byrne, daughter of Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton also appears in the film, by the way, mm. playing a sort of seventy-year-old. I think they've sort of given her old makeup and everything. Oh, right. So yeah. the idea of the first movie was it was Tilda Swinton's sort of university-age daughter, her first adult relationship. It was Tom Burke. He was a charismatic guy, but he was also a junkie, and he was spiraling into his addiction, and he died. Right now. Two years later comes part two of this riveting must-be-seen tale, and it follows the story of making that movie. Um, here's here's a clip of Richard Ayoade also making a movie. Lydia and I are back together. Good. Good, I'm pleased. I ground her down. She lost that battle, although she's still in the edit. So maybe she's winning the war. How's your memorial? Finished. No. Edit. It's done. So, waiting to graduate. So we'll see. Did you avoid the temptation to be obvious? I think so. That's all you can hope for, isn't it? Mm. I now remember seeing the trailer for this, mm-hmm. and I was at a pic- I was at the picture house, and it was on before the House of Gucci, and. It's um, she's a, a film school student, isn't she? And then she's making yeah. this movie, yeah. And I, I have to say, I'm not Richard Ayoade's biggest fan, just in general. Um, uh, yeah, and- I mean, it's worth noting he he does not really have like a role in this movie because nobody actually has a role in this movie. Mm. This is not that kind of movie. These aren't characters. These are people who just show up and, and say stuff in and, and flit out. Leave. Yeah. Y- yeah. And and there is this interwoven thing. Like I I don't know what the point of any of it is, right? It well this is the problem. Moving. This is this is the problem with art house, isn't it? This is the problem like you know, someone's gonna you're gonna divide this, right? It, for the normal general public going to see something like yeah. this, you'll be makes no sense it uh doesn't follow a straight narrative it, it the p- people flit in and out but someone and you like to refer to them as the cardigan wearing crew they're gonna absolutely lap this up and i haven't even seen the movie 
that's the thing. It is a movie so fixated upon, and yet at the same time, simultaneously only possibly palatable to the kind of person that actually owns and wears a specific kind of blazer to dine in their own dining room. It is, <laughs> honest to God, a work of such obscene, posturing that I, I, I honest, I, I cannot... Can we say that? Can we I've, say that? I've, I've bleeped it. I've bleeped it in the edit after having said it. It's fine. I'm doing a Bill and Ted where if I do it in the future in my mind, it happens. Okay? So four minutes and 30 seconds, we know. Okay? It's, it's, oh, it's the worst... Um, the reason that that clip of Richard Awad exists is because he's the only thing breathing any life into this, and he's only in it oh, for God. about a collective 60 seconds. It's, it dis- I mean, this lacks the charisma of Tom Burke. Tom Burke is not exactly the most radiant man in a room. Tom Burke, who was in the first movie... I, I, I just honestly ca- came away from this despairing for my life having seen it. I was like, what on earth? Who needed the what? Okay. There is a point. There is a point. Let me let me just put this. I did a film course, right? And and I remember this was admittedly this was fifteen years ago, and well, sorry, thirteen years ago. And the the budget for our final project was seven hundred quid. And there is a point in this movie at which she, she casually goes to her parents. You know, the kind of people who are putting on their blazers to eat in their dining rooms and things like that. Mm-hmm. And she just casually asked them for ten grand for her her final film. And I'm thinking, that's it. That's exactly who this is aimed at. That is exactly the kind of posturing this this movie is aimed at. Five minutes fifty three for the edit. Just just so we know. Just so we know. Future future van. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that is absolutely it. The kind of posturing this movie is aimed at. No, it, I'm sorry. This is this is in the in the age of austerity. What on earth is this? Nil pois, uh, let's move on. Can we talk about the eyes of yeah, Tony uh, We got some fun. Yes, I was just going to say, I wanted to cut you off even a minute earlier because I was like, don't waste your breath on this because we've got much better things to talk about with the eyes of Tony yeah. Faye. And um, I, I have to say, I've really enjoyed this movie. This stars um, Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain as the probably most famous... T- um, is it tele evangelical? Televangelist. I think they're really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And it kind of charts their... It's, it, they're kind of like they're meeting, they're growing up and marrying together and then turning themselves into the <laughs> richest versions of these these televangelists that are out there. And it is a fun ride. I mean, great performances, amazing makeup for Jessica Chastain. And oh, God, yeah. the 80s were good. <laughs> Have you seen this? Hmm. From The Observer. Picture of you and Jim on the front. PTL's Baker diverts ministry funds for new building project. Now, what's that about? Well, you can't believe everything that you read in the newspapers, Mom. How's Fred doing? Is he settling in okay? Smoke and fire isn't just the provenance of Hell Girl. You know, when I saw that clipping with my face on it, I thought for a second that you were proud of me. I'm hearing there are articles like this in the paper every day. Killer Press hates us because we're winning millions of souls for Jesus. Oh, Tammy Faye, you follow blindly. In the end, all you are is blind. 
oh, that just sums up this whole movie mm, and, yeah. and, and her character. But you know what? The accent in this that Jessica Chastain, that, oh, yeah, that kind of accent. That is her so... Voice, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's so Fargo, isn't it? That's that's mm. where, a similar place to where Fargo was set is where she's kind of from. And it just... It, I, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. Well, this is the thing. I thought it was a perfectly engaging movie. Um, we see one of these uh, every year. There is, you know, in fact, we see several of these every year that usually turn out to they're aspiring awards contenders. Mm. And and you think about film ones that missed the mark famously. Think about, for instance, Zoe Saldana in the Nina Simone, the ill-fated mm. Nina Simone biopic. You know what John Travolta thought he was doing with Gotti. You know things yeah. like that. And then you look at something like the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Now this is one that, on the surface, seems like it, it's being a bit silly, but it's it's not really silly enough to be memorable. I, I don't mm. think it's, it doesn't especially. It, it's engaging enough while it's on, but it's not something that sticks with you. Um, while it is on, though, it is perfectly engaging and likable. I will say I like <laughs> Jessica Chastain in there, and she is having fun. Like, yeah. Jessica Chastain does seem to be having fun. And the story is interesting. Uh, especially is. given what kind of a weird contradiction Tammy Faye herself seemed to be. Because I'm led to believe that she died a couple of years ago, I think. Usually when they make the biopic, it's usually been put into production when that person has died, usually around that mm. point. Um, but I will say this about it. I spent most of this movie thinking to myself, Ugh, Andrew Garfield, Christ, he just can't look like an adult man, can he? I, do you he know what? Him. I was going to completely you see the agree. Guy. Then you see the actual guy and you think, oh, actually, no, he is quite well cast because the actual guy did have that same thing going for him. Yeah. Yeah. So Tammy Faye, actually, she died in 2007. So mm. she died quite a while ago. But yeah, um, you're right. Like, I, I without... If I'd have looked up the real Tammy Faye and um, and her husband, uh, is it is it Ro? No, what oh, was his uh, name? Baker, Jim Baker. Jim Baker, sorry, Jim Baker. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, yeah, if she looked up Jim Baker, and yeah, you're right. And if you didn't know that, you'd think that Andrew Garfield was terribly miscast. <laughs> you um, would, yeah. You're like, why you is this of... kid playing an adult man? <laughs> you know, yeah, or like, why is, why why is Jessica taken... Alba playing this like late 30s scientist? It's it's that equation. It is that equation. But then you kind of question why has Sarah, uh, why has Jessica Chastain got such good makeup all the way mm. through? And yet they've not done anything with him when hers is so transformative. Yeah. It's interesting. But actually, then when you're right, when you look at who it is and you need to kind of go into it with this research. But I, you know, I think the whole tele-evangelist uh, tele sort of yeah. movement within that time, it was bonkers anyway. And this kind of movie led to, lends itself to kind of that that ro roller coaster ride that it was. The costumes, the makeup, mm. the fun that Jessica Chastain and also Andrew Garfield are having all of that together it rolls into a really enjoyable movie. So it's a light relief that you probably need. It might not do the business award season, but no. I do think it definitely, definitely is worth your time to watch. Does this strike you as that token one that does like no business like at the box office, but does get that weird little bit of acknowledgement from the Golden Globes? Yeah, 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 yeah. It probably will. And I hope it's, it's for Jessica like Chastain, actually. Mm, I think she's yeah. really good in this. Yeah, good, good um, fun. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but it's not an especially memorable one. Welcome back to Off Screen, and do you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've been looking forward to talking about the next two movies, Bex. Mm. This one, because it's an actor I, I've always really liked, finally getting 
his due. And secondly, because it's a director who used to once upon a time, you know, command some respect. And I like to remember those times. It's kind of like Rennie Harlan or, or to a lesser extent, John McTiernan. But let's not really get into the reality of John McTiernan too much. Or Rennie Harlan, really. But uh, anyway, so let's talk first and foremost then about Jockey, which is... Right. This is this is the the time in the spotlight. This is the the shot of a main stage for just requisitely brilliant as routine supporting player Clifton Collins Jr. You know Clifton Collins Jr. If you don't know him, he's that guy from that thing. And you just <laughs> Google his Google his face, and you'll be like, oh my god, it's that guy. He's that guy who every time you see him, and he's always brilliant in everything. He's Oh, that guy. The same way that people do with Michael Shannon or John mm-hmm. Hawks. He's, mm-hmm. oh, that guy. So he finally gets to lead here, and he is an aging jockey who's basically sort of given to the wear and tear. He's not really on the sort of the main high-profile end of the you know, the, the jockey circuit. He's sort of just jobbing jockey. It's sort of just mm. paid bills. But he's, uh, he's at an age where his health is starting to give in on him and his, his aches and pains are starting to you know take their lasting toll. And into this mix as well, he meets um, a young man who claims to be his illegitimate son. And he starts to think about his legacy and what he leaves behind and what his story will ultimately be when he's not around anymore. How you doing, Jax? I'm doing real good. I'm feeling good. Just tell me what's going on. It's it's just wear and tear. You've done some damage. You need to get yourself to a doctor. You are a doctor. I'm a horse doctor. You seen that new kid been training at Jerry's barn? Yeah, he can ride. Coming across the stress. That's right. Let him feel it. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back. Push back. Push back. Get older, you start to realize that uh, you and your body, they just ain't the same. Look, I know I'm not in the same shape as these young cats, but I still got a good couple years left in me. <laughs> Weirdly, with this, with that bed music, it sounds a bit sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> you think, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, it sounds engaging and interesting mm. a story. Does it deliver? Um, to be honest with you, yes, it really does. Um, it's, okay. it's one of those movies that this is not... I mean, like we were just saying about The Eyes of Tammy Faye, you know, that we get one of one or two of those every awards season. Um, this is another one of those that we get every so often. It's the, you know, it's the uh, the, the last ride of the ageing rider, you know. It's, it's the last days of the ageing rider's story. Has he still got it in him, you know, to as he rides off into the sunset? And we've seen, you know, a lot of actors do this. And obviously the selling point, because there's nothing really remarkable about it outside of it's Clifton Collins Jr. getting the chance Mm. to do this. And he's been very much the B position player for so, so long. And he's always been brilliant. And like mm. I say, when you look at the names, like, like I was comparing him to a moment ago, like people like John Hawke, people like Michael Shannon, very much on, on par with, and, and his, his performance is like, I remember him going back to things like The Last Castle in, mm. in, two, in 2000, 2001 with Robert Redford and James Gandolfini. And he's always been brilliant. He's in the, the Abrams Star Trek reboot, I think 2009 as well. Again, as a sort of B performer rather than any of the A squad. 
And it is nice to see him get that time. And he is the perfect age for it. Oh, he's also in Pacific Rim, isn't he? He's the, the, air, the air traffic controller in Pacific He's kind of like a great, a great character actor. But that's it. Like I say, kind of like a Michael Shannon type. Um, mm. Getting the chance to actually take the spotlight and, and show us what he's got, like with the stage all to himself, does prove quite fruitful. It does work. I think his performance here is what elevates a movie that you have otherwise seen a fair few times before and otherwise has been quite nicely, you know, captured and realised. But it is that performance that's lifting it up. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, it sounds like an interesting movie and I'm going to move us swiftly on because I think you're going to need some time to talk about <laughs> our next movie because this is, in Van's mind, this is this has probably been highly anticipated since he was a teenager. It's the return of Roland Emmerich and yeah. it is a big blockbuster. Are we bringing back the 90s with Moonfall? I no, got a text no. from I got a text from Van last night and Van was uh, Van was basically going, I'm about to watch Moonfall and I am so excited. I can't wait. And I was like, enjoy. <laughs> this was literally your excited schoolboy, I think, with this. I don't think I'd been this excited for a sort of bit of trash blockbuster sci-fi since Geostorm, with which mm. this shares kind of a lineage, because obviously this is Roland Emmerich. Geostorm was Dean Devlin's first movie, even though he kind of took his name off it at one point. I think he reshot it a little bit to the extent where it then got released second, but it is still his first movie. Um, so there is that lineage to it. The weird thing about this being Roland Emmerich uh, directing is it does feel at times like they took all of the action set pieces from all of the other Roland Emmerich disaster movies and just threw them in one movie and then cobbled a plot together around them. Right, mm. This is almost like the San Andreas of <laughs> lunatic disaster movie plots. So, the general idea here is the moon is out of orbit, we're all uh -oh. going to die. Brilliant. Classic. <laughs> That's the plot of this movie. So, Roland Emmerich, the director of Independence Day 2012, The Day After Tomorrow, the man who gave us the neutrinos have mutated and climate change is, is, is quicker than we expected, um, has now just decided, ugh, the moon's lost its balance. We're all going to die. It, isn't this the same? Isn't this the same concept as melancholia? Lars von Trier's melancholia was that the sun was rock, was out of orbit? I, I, I think I think that was again the moon. But wait, there's more because rather oh. than it just be a case of the moon is off its axis, uh, this is creating the sort of disaster movie scenario on Earth because obviously the lunar tides and, and all the you know the geological effects, the tectonic plates all shift, and all of this stuff which doesn't make a lick of scientific sense at all for mo I mean for one thing the sun seems to stop existing in the, like it's just the moon <laughs> all the like the sun there's no daytime in this movie and uh, while all this is going on it also transpires and this this is not a twist reveal like they're straight up front with this the moon is not actually the moon it's a giant Dyson sphere, a hollowed out mega structure that's been constructed around a white star to house an alien civilization. And it is in fact a spaceship housing a giant robotic parasite that's going to kill us all. And... Um, uh, have you just Wilson, given away a spoiler? <laughs> no, in, in no way have I. 
Um, this is all like the conspiracy theorist brought up by Daniel Jackson. Sorry, sorry, not, not Daniel Jackson. Patrick Totopoulos. Sorry, not, not Patrick Totopoulos. <laughs> Um, uh, Dennis Quaid, sorry, not Dennis Quaid, um, uh, uh, Oliver Platt, not Oliver Platt, sorry, um, brought up by, who is it this time? Oh, sorry, it's, it's Josh Gad in this one. Here's, here's, here's Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry recruiting uh, not, not Jeff Goldblum, not James Spader for this mission. You know, without electronics, we're going to need to make split-second calculations up there. Plus, we lost our flight engineer. Mm. No. No, no, no. Guys, I'm not cleared for this. Well, I'm the acting director of NASA, so I just cleared you. Congrats. Yeah, but... I've got IBS. Irritable bowel syndrome. I get motion sickness, too. You said you always wanted to be an astronaut. I have debilitating anxiety. Casey. If the moon really is what you think it is, we're gonna need a megastructurist. Suit up. I mean, where do you go uh, from, we're gonna need a megastructurist, suit up? I'm sorry, that should, I didn't... That should be up there on the pantheon of, this time, leave your goddamn hula shirts at home. But it's not, is it? I, I, I didn't think that you could fit into one clip as many cliche lines. Uh, the IBS one is an interesting one, but... But like, do you know what I mean? It's I, I will. I, I want to go and laugh at this. I want to go and have right. a jolly good time. Now that was what Geostorm was very good for. Geostorm had some fun with its concept. This, I think, forgets to. It, it tries to have fun, but it forgets that it's not actually any fun, and that right. that's kind of a problem. Like you get a lot. I, mean, I, I can only describe the dialogue in this as. What if, what if the English language was somehow was somehow violent to listen to? That that's how I would describe the the the, the dialogue in this movie. It is truly terrible at times. Um, the the bright spark in there is John Bradley from Game of Thrones, who's giving it mm. full Josh Gad, which is only amusing right up until the point that you then learn that this actually was Josh Gad, who then quit and was then replaced by John Bradley. So you know, make of that what you want. It is Emmerich by the numbers. You can sort of get that feeling when the movie starts. There's no distributor logos, and all of a sudden every there's the name of a bunch of different holding companies flash up over and over again. You realize that Roland Emmerich is now funded by some like 16 international shipping consortiums. And you think, okay, stop asking questions about where these movies get funded now. Um, it, it's it's academically as good a movie as Geostorm, but it's nowhere near as fun. I will say it's better than Independence Day 2, but that's a really low bar. And it's certainly, I think, possibly... No, no, hands down, I think it might be the worst movie Patrick Wilson's ever been in. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Offscreen Pays the Bills. Hi, Bex. Hey, Van, what's going on? Hey, nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. Oh, I do. And do you know what? I've had a really, really busy week. I don't know about you, Van. Have you had a busy week? I, I, I have, but you know what? Actually, our uh, our uh, our five-year-old may have found a way to uh, to help you un, un, uh, unwind and relax at the end oh. of, uh, at the end of such, such, so busy a week. Bex, um, courtesy of our sponsors, who we've uh, we're glad to welcome back after the last few weeks. We're enjoying this, this promotion. Uh, Simply Earth. 
Earth, who are like a Ooh. meal subscription box, but uh, you know, more fun and less edible. As, as they say <laughs> and so this is this is like a monthly subscription box you get for $39 that comes through to your house that contains uh, essential oils and recipe cards for like combinations of oils and our five year old has declared this week um, he would like to uh, he literally walked in and declared he would like to have the lavender uh, put in the diffuser he finds it relaxing reminder mm. he is five that is his <laughs> week his week Literally, was apparently so tough. He wanted lavender to relax. So, thank you, Simply Earth, for the for the sample box. And the best part is, you can find all this out for yourself, and you can get all these these recipes to help detoxify your home, and and you know, sort of, you know, help you unwind and help you feel more relaxed and at ease. And you know, if you have trouble sleeping or anything like that, and they take they've got all these different recipe cards, uh, all by different aromatherapists, all different certified professionals, and you can combine the ingredients yourself. And you can. Make Make things like deodorant powders and stuff like that with it as well. And if you use our promo code with this monthly subscription service, you can get a free uh, 80 mil diffuser as well, purely by going to simplyearth.com forward slash off screen. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're taking you for a big wild ride on the big screen and now we're bringing you down to the small screen. We've got your seven day guide to all the top movies that you can watch on your telly box. And we're kicking off oh, with one of my favourite films of all time on Friday, which is today, obviously, uh, which is on nine o'clock on Great Movies Tonight. Ah, oh, from dusk till dawn. Yes, I love this. I didn't mind the TV series version of it, but mm. nothing quite beats the movie uh george yeah. clooney quentin tarantino salma hayek uh is it cheech or is it chong that's in it cheech marin yeah i think is he in does he have does he only have one role in this yeah he's the i think he's, he has oh no he has can't, several roles say it. because he's also <laughs> yeah he's no he has several roles in it. i think he has three different roles in this one he's not sex machine as well is he no. No, no, no. That's Tom Savini. That's makeup yeah. artist Tom Savini. How? No, no, no. But anyway, he's. I think Cheech has three roles in this because he's also Carlos, the crime boss at the end, uh, who gets that wonderful sequence uh, that I, I love quoting to death. But uh, what a quotable movie, though. And oh. also, I'm listening to a really good podcast at the minute called uh, Download: The Rise and Falls of Harry, Rise and Fall of Harry Knowles, and Ain't It Cool News. And it ties into uh, the making of From Dust Till Dawn, the making of and the release of From Dust Till Dawn. Tarantino thing in the 90s. Fascinating listen, by the way. But from Dust Till Dawn, this is the movie that... The, the intention was this was going to make Clooney. It didn't. But it, it does still sort of stand as the, here he is, this is how cool this guy could be as a movie star. Kind of. Everybody be cool, you be cool. You be cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so quotable. Speaking of, speaking of performances that showed off how cool someone could be in advance... This is an interesting one for you on uh, on Sunday, on Saturday, Saturday, sorry, at 12.35 on Five Star. Um, and now this is a, a fascinating sort of just, just sort of article of cinema in, in, a, in a way, as far as what it represents for our star, our star our studio star system today. Specifically in the case of Ryan Reynolds, this was an early attempted vehicle for Ryan Reynolds. It was a 2007-2008 rom-com called Definitely Maybe, and it cast him opposite Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Banks, Isla Fisher, and Rachel Weisz. And the concept is effectively the plot of How I Met Your Mother, in which Ryan Reynolds tells his daughter, um, Abigail Breslin, how he met her mother. 
com- and basically gives her the challenge that she then has to guess which of the... Th- I don't know why he does. It makes no sense to do this. But, the, you know, they almost immediately do the exact same obviously problematic gag that How I Met Your Mother does. But he gives her the challenge of, I'll tell you about three of my exes and, and you have to pick which one actually is your mum. Happily demonstrated with that very problematic gag right here, baby. Everyone knows that the girlfriend in the beginning of the story gets stumped. Maybe Summer Hartley's my mother. It's from Emily. Did you read this? I read a page. A page? And the part about you and Emily touching each other and kissing. Oh, that part. You're a great writer. Sorry, I was just curious. I'm gonna keep my eye on the ball. Emily and I have a future, we have a plan. Which may involve some type of threesome then. What's a threesome? That's a game that adults play sometimes. When they're bored. Yeah, uh, it's always that threesome gag, isn't it? Every time, yeah. like, how I met your mother is like, why are you telling these kids? About, like, especially when it doesn't involve their mother. Who does that to their kids? Anyway, beside the point. Beside the point. 1235, yeah. uh, 12.35 on Saturday. This is interesting as to as to this, the, how rough around the edges the Ryan Reynolds archetype still is at this point. It still skews to that very same demographic. It's just a little bit less refined. It's an interesting watch. Mm. Yeah, I, I've never seen it, but I might go and catch it, actually, because uh, and just mm. to kind of based on that. It did initially sound to me a bit like Martha meet Frank, Daniel and Lawrence. And then I kind of go, actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, how, how I Met Your Mother is kind of more appropriate for it. But interesting one. So that's on 12.35 p.m. on Five Star on Saturday. Moving on to Sunday. Oh, my God, I love this film. And I wondered why it didn't get a follow-up. It really annoyed me because I really mm. enjoyed this. And I True. thought Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling were a great comedy pairing in this. This is The Nice Guys, which is on 9 o'clock on Film 4, really funny they basically it's set in 1970s LA they are this mm-hmm. weird mismatched pair of private eyes and they're going along this investigation to find the mysterious death of a, a porn star and also a missing girl and this for me is where you really see Ryan Gosling's comedy chops mm. come to par because it's fantastic it, it's, it's very true now, but you gotta bear in mind of course the, the pivotal thing about the nice guys is it's a Shane Black film mm. and it's a challenge. Not every actor can pull off the Shane Black wit. Not every actor can can handle the the back and forth of a Shane Black screenplay, the, the nuance and the energy that comes with it. And by the way, you can have a sequel to this after I get my sequel to The Last Boy Scout, okay? Yeah. After that one, okay? That <laughs> we'll comes be waiting we a while. Waited, we waited long enough, damn it. But uh, no, Ryan Gosling does, because he does deadpan so well, and mm. he really suits a Shane Black script. So too, but not quite to the same extent does uh, Russell Crowe. But uh, The Nice Guys is one that I do want to keep, I do want to revisit at some point. Right. Interesting one, uh, by the way. So this is on uh, Monday night, still on film four, 11.15. And I have a feeling they put this one on because they mistook it for Bad Grandpa. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is, in actuality, this is Dirty Grandpa. So Bad Grandpa, I think they, they thought this was because Jackass Forever is out, you know, this this week. So and, and that character is back. But no, this is not Bad Grandpa. This is not Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. This is Dirty Grandpa starring Robert De Niro and Zac Efron as the sort of button-down, henpeck, uh, you know, upcoming groom, uh, groom to, you know, 
impending groom-to-be, whose wedding is hijacked by his newly widowed grandfather, who decides he's gonna he's gonna basically go and sow some oats. As you'll hear here. You're in Daytona Beach. Uh, listen, we're just driving through Daytona Beach. We're in route to. Jason, I don't know why you're there. But you'd better call me from your grandfather's house when you get there tonight, okay? Of course, baby. I love you so much. Marriage is hard. What the hot college girls text back? Grandpa, what are you texting him? I just texted him. What are you texting him? We'll meet him on. We'll meet you on the beach. Yeah. And I added the emoji with a wink and his tongue out. You know what? I think this is one of those movies that Robert De Niro looks back on and goes, "Why did I do it? Why?" I think it's. I, I hate it. <sighs> I hate really? it. I hate. Uh, yeah, I hate Robert De Niro in it. I, uh, 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 oh, it's so crass. I just, it's just not my. It's it's not my bag. It, <laughs> I I'm I will I will recommend this movie for one absolute stone cold hard as nails reason, and that is Aubrey Plaza just unloading both barrels. She's just unstoppable in this movie. She owns this movie. This was the movie you watched Aubrey Plaza in and thought. Right, it's time to just give her vehicles now. She's brilliant. Like, like more, more of this, please. Uh, for me, worth it just for Aubrey Plaza. Um, but yes, 11.15 on Monday night on Film 4. Uh, on to Tuesday on Film 4, 6.40pm. No clip for this one. We'll get through this. We'll get through the next two quite quick. Um, mm-hmm. So 6.40 on Tuesday afternoon. It's Star Trek Beyond. It would have been the 50th anniversary celebration had the company that owned the movie franchise in any way given a toss or made an effort. But no, at least there was a 45-second YouTube video. So, uh, yeah, so the third installment of the J.J. Abrams Kelvinverse line of Star Trek movies starring Chris Pine, Zachary Kinto, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Zoe Saldana, uh, 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 What's his name? Anton Yelchin, John Cho. They're all back, and uh, this time they're taking on Idris Elba as the Enterprise crew are stranded inside a nebula on a hostile planet without the aid of the ship and their usual gadgets, and basically becomes more of a a survival exploit. Um, I had good fun with this one. This is the one that's got an unfairly uh, beefed-up amount of Scotty plot, and yet coincidentally is co-written by Simon Pegg. Mm. Funny that. yeah, it's funny that, but it's, it's a good little it's a good little ride. This one, I quite like it. Zach Kinto gets some stuff to do, and there's a nice little uh, farewell send off for Leonard Nimoy, that, who just passed at that point. The great Leonard Nimoy in there as well. Um, on to uh, Wednesday night, <clears throat> and this is one I haven't revisited for a while, and I want to because our mutual friend Matthew Turner is part of a podcast series, um, uh, Fatal Attractions, that covers erotic thrillers. They covered this movie and mm. the uh, teen 1999 teen remake of it, Cruel Intentions. Cool intentions. And, uh, and I've always wanted to revisit since. It is Dangerous Liaisons starring Glenn mm. Close and John Malkovich and Charles Pfeiffer, uh, which is on uh, Wednesday night, 11.15 on BBC2. Um, really want to, I really want to revisit this. <clears throat> uh, this is the yeah, I haven't seen it since it came night. out. Well, this is it. But this is the, like, is it 1990? Dangerous? 1990 or 1991? Yeah, yeah classic days. film. Classic film that you watch way too young, of course. Oh, you yes, you did. And it was it's one of those, isn't it, that it, it's not really that filthy, but it feels filthy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's very it's very corseted filthy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, in, it's insinuated filth. You know yeah. what I mean? It's 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 stealth filth. You know stealth I mean? filth, good. Stealth filth. And on to uh, Thursday night then. Uh, one to round off your week. Uh, 10 p.m. on four seven. We've got a clip we can play out for this one. Bex, Men in Black International. We've got like a minute. Do you want to cue us up really quickly on the clip? Yeah, Men so in Black International. 
Men in Black uh, International. So it's kind of the... It's bringing you back to the world of Men in Black with not uh, Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones, but with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. And it was kind of like, let's reboost the franchise and let's bring it back in to modern day. And it was okay, wasn't it? It was. It had all the things that you wanted, but now that kind of mm. the idea of these big CGI aliens isn't that big a, a sell anymore, it kind of doesn't work in the way that maybe it did back in the day. Well, exactly. So they thought rather than give you all these big CGI aliens this time, let's just get Kumail on side and give you a little one as well. I must end my own life in the most painful way possible. I don't think that she would want you to, you know. Who are you to know what a queen would or wouldn't want? Are you a queen? Well, I mean, to the extent that all women are, yes. But no, no, I'm not a queen. Maybe the best way to honor the dead is to go on living. Yes. I pledge loyalty eternal to you, Agent M. No, 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 I'm not interested in a subject. Too late. It's done. I already pledged the loyalty. I wish you'd said no, no, no before. And if you should die before I, I promise to end my own life in the most painful way possible. Yeah, ha. I don't like you. So Kumail Nanjiani there alongside Chris Hemsworth and the, oh, I adore Tessa Thompson in Men in Black International from 2019 from uh, director F. Gary Gray, we always like to forget as well. Mm. Uh, so you can see Men in Black International uh, 10 o'clock on 4-7 uh, next Thursday, February the 10th. Now to round up your week on Freeview, but stick around because we'll be back momentarily with everything coming your way on, well, our picks for everything coming your way on DVD, disc, and streaming for the next seven days. Welcome back to Off Screen, and now we're bringing you everything in between because you've seen the big screen, you've seen the small screen, and now we've got your DVD and Blu-ray and uh, streaming offerings. And you know what? We're going to kick off with a classic. Um, Ang Lee, we, we, we think of him in, in, in lots of different ways and lots of amazing movies that he's brought to us, and one of them... Mm stars Jake Gyllenhaal and it stars the late great Heath Ledger as well and it's about two cowboys and it ain't a western you're expecting isn't it is it man <laughs> oh no it's not in fact it, it, this one this one kind of took the world by storm though when it came yeah. out uh, for years it was uh, sort of reductively referred to as the gay cowboy movie um, but I think especially after the death of Heath Ledger which was three years later was three years later that Heath Ledger passed and I think it was after it seemed to it seemed to gain more of a just sort of cultural appreciation. Now remembered as just a solidly great love story. And this, of course, as you say, this comes to Netflix from uh, tomorrow, from Saturday, February the fifth. I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you? Why don't you just let me be, huh? Because of you, Jack, that I'm like this. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm, just, I'm nowhere. Oh. Oh, I wish I could quit. No. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we'll be winning awards anytime soon no, for no. our for our performances. Um, it is a great film, though. Slow. But good, and um, is it Maggie? G- not Maggie Gyllenhaal. Who? No, it's um, uh, Michelle Williams, isn't it? Michelle, Gosh. Michelle Williams, and Anne Hathaway are the, the mm. ladies in this. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie, great movie. Now, on Sunday, we have available on Netflix The Photograph. I, what's this all about? So this was uh, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, this was a romantic drama. This sort of relatively swept, sort of kept, sort of slipped, or swept, slipped under the radar. But I think was something that played akin to what was the movie with Zendaya and John David Washington that we reviewed? Oh, Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm Marie. Oh. This is something that played like a less stage set equivalent to the photograph. This is, again, a relationship drama, but rather than the, the more constricted, confined nature of Malcolm Marie, this took place over a grander period of time and basically centres around Issa Rae looking into, I think, her grandmother's uh, past based on a photograph of, a, of a, an old flame that she discovers. And... Uh, and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting quite captivating romantic drama. They have real chemistry in it, like mm. really solid chemistry, like quite quite sizzling, sexy chemistry. But in that same kind of way that uh, that Marco Marie did as well, I'd say this has a little bit more mainstream popcorn appeal than Malcolm Marie, but you know, still not an awful lot, if you know what I mean. But you can see that for yeah. yourself on uh, on Netflix from Sunday, where I believe Malcolm Marie is as well now, isn't it? So you can actually, they make quite an interesting comparison point. Yeah, they would. Double bill there for you. <laughs> uh, moving on to Monday, we've got available on DVD and Blu-ray, Encanto. Now, I don't know any parent with a young child that hasn't already watched this and where the kids love it. I obviously haven't seen it, um, but I hear really good things, which is refreshing, I think. I think I think this one falls under public service for us, doesn't it? Because mm. it's coming to disc on Monday. As you so eloquently point out there, everyone we know who has kids, like most of them you know, are, are on the Encanto train already. If you have kids and you are somehow downloading this and you... you but you, you live in a limited bandwidth area or something like that, and you've just been waiting for the chance to get it on disc so that your kids can play it to death like all the rest of the kids. Congratulations from Monday, you get your wish. You can mm-hmm. suffer like the rest of us, and cancer is available on disc from Monday. And you know, this this has emerged as the Disney pick for the because you know every year we get two or three Disney movies, and it's always interesting to see which one catches on, which one is the one that gets sent to the Oscars. So mm. to speak, and it, it's interesting that it was in Canto. It's in the same way that you didn't expect Onward would get any attention in that regard last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's hard to make the cut through. I think with certain animated movies because there's so much that does come out at one time, mm. and and sometimes they feel a bit too babyish. Sometimes they feel. <laughs> Like, they're not quite hitting the mark. But from what I hear, Encanto is doing the business. So that's Encanto good. Encanto is. Encanto is doing the business, in fact. And do you know what? He's still doing the business, uh, despite uh, attempts to review Bomber and kill it with with uh, general negativity, I think. Uh, is Chloe Zhao's Marvel movie Eternals, which comes to disc uh, from Monday as well. So that's two Disney movies. Double double Disney on Monday. Double disc. Double Disney disc Monday, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Double Disney disc Monday with Encanto. And Marvel's Eternals then out the same day the marvel team-up movie you know that no one knew they needed evidently marvel's versions of gods so basically uh, the best way to describe them as far as their power set would be to basically describe them as all power comparable to thanos as Mm. i think we're sort of literally told at one point so they're all sort of about equal to the power of of thanos so yeah i think it's got a lot going for it and uh, i think look a marvel movie that starts with pink floyd you know you've you've got my money okay you've got my money right there uh but 
one that didn't have a lot of people's money, and uh, I was I was surprised. I expected a lot more. <laughs> Uh, this is also coming to this third and final one coming to disc on Monday is uh, Johannes Roberts Resident Evil reboot Welcome to Raccoon City which I reviewed uh, with you when I was mm, out in a few Michigan. weeks ago I was out yeah. I was out in the US I went to a US cinema chain to see this it was a weird this is how I found out they had courtesy corn if you remember <laughs> but uh, yeah this this one this was Kaya Scodelario and Robbie Amell and this time we're doing Resident Evil but we're doing it just a little bit more in the style of Canadian genre fiction why are you back here Claire your conspiracies weren't true when we were kids they're not true now we need to expose Umbrella watch this I'm afraid Claire I'm afraid of what they're gonna do to this town the umbrella, they have an incident. I'm talking Chernobyl, if you know what I mean. People are getting sick. You gotta help us, Claire. Let the world know what's really going on. Yeah, I, I, I think that sums it all up, doesn't it? <laughs> what you're going to expect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Nothing more, nothing it's, less. <laughs> it's interesting that it's academically a better movie than any of the Paul, like Paul W.S. Anderson ones, and yet it's just nowhere near as engaging or fun. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fans of the game, I suppose, have enough to sink their teeth into. Uh, one that I do think is going to be quite popular, though, um, and I think you've been looking forward to seeing this, it is coming to Disney Plus on Wednesday. So February 9th, coming to Disney Plus, general subscription, no pre uh, premiere access or anything like that. It's the, uh, well, the, uh, the, the century-spanning prequel, The King's Man, with Ray Fiennes, Harris Dixon, and Reese Fans and Jaiman Honsu. Oh, and uh, oh, Gemma Arton, Gemma Arton as well, in which we discover the World War I origins of the Kingsmen as they try and stop Rasputin got, and a legion uh, of supervillains from I'm taking I'm quite excited to see this. Yeah, I'm quite excited to see this. And the fact that it's on Disney+, Plus, I think, is going to be yeah. a good one. I, 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 I didn't manage to catch it in the cinema. I don't mm. think it was like that one that kind of goes, oh, if you miss yeah. it in the cinema, you've totally missed it. So, I, I, you know, I enjoy Kingsman and I'd quite be interested to see the origin story of this and Reese Fens as Rasputin. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to yeah. watch that? <laughs> um, another another one then to round off the week then is uh, I think this might be the last time I remember Bill Murray doing something close to a broad comedy. This comes to Netflix on Thursday the tenth, and uh, this is Saint Vincent from I think twenty sixteen. Star, stars Bill Murray alongside uh, Melissa McCarthy and Naomi Watts, and mm. uh, written and directed by Theodore Melfi, um, is the story of a curmudgeon who uh, forms a sort of sort of unlikely bond with the uh, the young son of the uh, struggling single working mum uh, next door who's played by uh, Melissa McCarthy her young son sort of bonds with the uh, the crotchety curmudgeon next door played by Bill Murray who enters into a relationship with a Russian stripper played to cartoonish effect by Naomi Watts how come you don't have anyone to watch this kid after school he just moved in where's the father we met in college and it turns out that he had been seeing No someone. need to tell it then. You gonna pay for my fence? Yeah, I, I yes. And I, my I, tree? I said it was going to. I'm not sure how I can pay for a branch. Everything has a price. You're an adult, you should know that. All right, let me know. I can watch the kid after school. A few hours. Yeah. Same price. 
I can do $11 an hour, you pay the snacks. You're kidding, my last can of sardines. Really? So Bill Murray and uh, Melissa McCarthy. Now, this wasn't a huge hit when it was out. I think it got uh, you know above average reviews, got decently mm. received. But uh, one I, I thought of expected would have would have found more of a sort of cult fan base. But we shall see. It comes to streaming finally yeah. on uh, on 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 Thursday on Netflix. Anyway, so that's Saint Vincent. You can check that one out for yourself. But next week's going to be a fun one, Bex. Oh, next week I've been Ooh. looking forward to, to some of the ones next week. Um, we're going to have to finally answer the Army Hammer question next week i am so excited to hear what you have to say about death on the nile when you go and see it because that's going to be interesting yes i mean is it is it going to come in for a hammering or am i going to enjoy taking a bite out of it we shall see uh, also <laughs> next week we have uh, if if it's shown because as of yet we've not heard on any screen yet heard back on any screenings on this Ench- uh, Uncharted, not Enchanted, mm. Uncharted, starring uh, Tom Holland and uh, Mark Wahlberg, adaptation of the popular video game series. The uh, Charlie Day, Tiffany Haddish rom-com, I Want You Back, which is coming to Amazon Prime. And the new J-Lo, the Owen Wilson <gasps> rom-com, Marry Me, in which I J-Lo so plays... <laughs> J-Lo? And Owen Wilson <laughs> plays Owen Wilson? And the plot is... What if Owen Wilson dated J-Lo? Is that... I'm so excited about this movie. I literally can't wait to see it. It's so bonkers an idea. Like, let's just do what would happen if Owen Wilson dated J-Lo. I mean, look, J-Lo is promoting this hard on her Instagram, okay? So, I... (laughs) <laughs> Come on. Fair if she, play. If she, can, if she can get work floating that concept, what if I just play me and I just date my friend there playing himself? If she can get that as work, fair play to her. You know what? That's a good hustle, Jenny. That's a good hustle. She That's, truly yeah. still is Jenny from the block because that is an all-time great hustle. And we shall see how well it's paid off next week so when, we, when we review Marry Me alongside the likes of Death on the Nile, I Want You Back, and Uncharted. But for now, this has been uh, this has been Off Screen. I've been Van Connor. And I've been Bex Perfect. And we shall return. <laughs>